Hey, let's pray before we open God's word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we uh, are thankful that because Jesus lived and died and rose again, we can look to you in faith that you are our Father. We have access to you. We call upon you this morning, and Father, we know that in, in this room and those that are gathered online, there are hurts that uh, need your touch. There's marriages in trouble. Father, send your Holy Spirit. Father, in these minutes that we open your word, lift our eyes to see Jesus that would meet us. Father, there's bodies broken by illness. Lord, would you heal? We trust you that through the power of the resurrection, there is a power available to us now to live and walk and follow you, even when there's pain and suffering in this life. Father, for some of us, the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places, and, and we rejoice and delight. Lord, may we offer thanksgiving to you. And Father, we are grateful for so many of your blessings. Lord, chief amongst those is the beauty and glory and wonder of Jesus and the gospel. Lord, open our eyes to see the matchless glory of Jesus. Father, as we hear your word this morning, Lord, would you meet us individually and together that we might leave here encouraged with the good news of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you indulge me for a second as a proud dad? We, sound, we, we sang this morning about the pride of a baby. Well, my baby's all grown up. She's 21, 21, I think that's right, yeah, 21. She lives in uh, New York City, and she got married September 12th. And uh, I have some pictures, I think. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, September 12th, they got married in Central Park. They live in New York City, and uh, we kind of snuck into the city um, did the wedding, and then left real quick before uh, the mayor and the governor knew we had been there. Um, they kept calling us every day for 14 days. They called us. They kept asking, are you able to quarantine? I'd always say, yes, I'm able to quarantine. Um, they never asked me if I was. They just said, are you able? So now when you get married, you make vows, right? And your vows talk about both prosperity and adversity. You say, in plenty, those are times of prosperity, and you say, in times of want, adversity. You, you talk about um, sickness, adversity, health, prosperity. We take vows in marriage because we know that life is hard. We know that marriage can be challenging. Amen? But it can also be amazing. Amen? Amen. So, how do we stay locked in? How do we keep going in adversity? We're going to find out this morning that we keep going in adversity because Jesus enables us to pass both the test of adversity and prosperity. 
Jesus enables us to pass. We lock ourselves in to Jesus. That's why we have membership vows. We had a couple last week who joined the church, and they took vows of membership. Why? Because in, when, you, when you join a church, the chances of being disappointed or of disappointing someone else are very, very high. Trust me. I'm the disappointer-in-chief. But we lock ourselves in so that in times of prosperity, when things are going and growing, we rejoice in Jesus. And in times of adversity, when we disappoint one another, when we hurt one another, when we face the headwinds of culture, when we face the trials of life in a broken and fallen world, we lock ourselves in. Why? So that Jesus could enable us to pass the test of adversity just as he enables us to pass the test of prosperity. Jesus enables us to pass both. Both the test of prosperity and the test of adversity. I want us to see three things this morning. First, why? Why are adversity and prosperity tests? That'll be brief. Second, how does Jesus enable us? And then third, what should we do this week? Now, why? Why are the tests of prosperity, why are adversity and prosperity such big tests? Now, take your hand, right hand first. Take your right hand and put it right here over your eyes, about an inch in front of your eyes. Go ahead. Now, what do you see? You see your hand. Now, your right hand, we'll call that the test of prosperity. Your right hand Prosperity comes. And what can you see? You can only see the prosperity. And in that prosperity, you're tempted to forget Jesus. And what do you need? In the midst of that prosperity, what you need is for the Spirit of God to lift the Word of God before your face so that you could see and behold the glory of Jesus, the living Word and the written Word. Now, what about an adversity? Take your left hand. We'll take the left hand and we'll call that adversity. And you lift it an inch in front of your eyes. And what do you see? Nothing but the adversity. And you can't see Jesus. And in adversity, we're tempted to deny Jesus. What do we need? We need to have the Spirit of God take the Word of God and lift it up between us and the adversity so that we could see and behold the glory of Jesus because it's Jesus who enables us to pass the test and both tests prosperity and adversity can both blind us to the glory of Jesus and that's why they're tests if it was easy then we wouldn't call them a test but they're hard and so we pray for one another and we encourage one another and we help one another and we lock ourselves into a life of biblical community so that the Spirit of God and the Word of God can work together to help us see the glory of Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're watching online and I'm praying. Stay with me because we're going to see now how how Jesus enables us. Turn to Genesis chapter 40. Last week, we saw our friend Joseph, and our friend Joseph was experiencing in Genesis 39 prosperity. 
But it didn't last. But he passed the test. He passed the test of prosperity. He stood strong in the Lord. And he fled immorality. But now, in Genesis 40, we're going to see that Joseph faces a new test. And Joseph passes the test of adversity in Genesis chapter 40. He's the same Joseph. Wise, God-honoring, worshipful. Because he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus. We're going to see that. Then it came about, after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, in the jail, in the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. Now we saw last week that Joseph ends up in prison because he refuses the sexual advances of Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar throws him in jail, and there he is in jail, but the Lord is with him. And he blesses him, and he moves up in the ranks even in jail. He's blessed by God. Pharaoh, who's the king, he's the boss in Egypt. Pharaoh has a circle of people that he trusts around them. They would have been his officials. They would have been his bodyguard. They would have been his chief military officers. But two of those, one would have been the cupbearer. He's the guy who prepares the king's wine. And they would have had a chief baker, and the baker would have been preparing his food. Pretty, pretty important to have a, a good winemaker and a good baker. Makes for better parties. And that's important if you're the king. The king wants to throw great parties, but there's more than just that. He also wants to be able to trust his winemaker and his baker because they have the greatest opportunity to take him out. They could poison him. They have great access to him, so he has to trust them. And we don't know what happened, but it says in verse 1 that they offended Pharaoh. Literally, the Hebrew, they sinned against Pharaoh. They missed the mark. Maybe they burned the toast. Maybe the wine was sour. Whatever happened... Pharaoh takes it as a sin against him. He's offended by what they've done, and he is furious. Don't anger the king. He's, they're thrown in prison. Now you say, is adversity a result of sin? Yes and no. We live in a fallen world. The world we live in is fallen because of sin. But not all adversity that we face is a direct result of sin, although all the world that we live in is affected by sin and fallen. Sometimes just living in a fallen world is difficult, right? Don't we know it? Hurricanes, yes. Pandemics. Yes, unfortunately, 
We live in a fallen world. It's not as we wish it would be. Sometimes, as in the case of the cupbearer and the baker, sometimes our own sin leads to adversity. They are in jail because of the sin they have committed against Pharaoh. So sometimes our sin can lead to adversity. But other times, as in the case of Joseph, sin is done against us and we face the adversity that comes as a result. So is adversity a result of sin? Yes and no. Sometimes it's not our sin. Sometimes it's a sin that's committed against us, as in the case of Joseph, who faces the same jail as the cupbearer and the baker, even though he didn't sin. He fled immorality, but he still faces adversity as a result of the sin that came against him. So listen, even if we live a righteous life in this world, we're still going to face adversity. We still need Jesus. Even though we walk now with Jesus, we still live in a fallen world. We're still looking with hope to the world that's to come. When there'll be a new earth and a new heaven without sin. Jesus brings that about. Jesus enables us to look forward and not get stuck in despair. Verse 4. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them. And they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream in the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came in to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Joseph is put in charge of these men. And you see the phrase um, in verse uh, 4, he took care of them. Literally, Joseph ministers to them. He becomes their chaplain. He becomes their pastor. He becomes their ministry. He becomes their leader. He serves them. And he loves them. He loves them so well that when they come in and they're depressed, they're dejected, he notices right away. Joseph walks through adversity. Here's one lesson. Jesus enables us to overcome adversity because he's not focused on himself. He's focused on others. And Joseph knows who he is. He's a Hebrew. He's a descendant of Abraham. Abraham is his great-grandfather. And Abraham had been given a promise. He had been given a purpose I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And so Abraham passed that on to his son and he passed it on to his son and they passed it on to 
Joseph. And so Joseph knew who he was. He was a Hebrew. He knew why he was here, to serve others. He was blessed to know God, and he was to be a blessing, to minister and serve the needs of others. He's others-focused. He's wise. He's God-honoring. He knows who he is. He knows why he's here. And so he asks the men. He exalts Jesus. He exalts God in the midst of their adversity. Tell me, because God will bring the interpretation. He doesn't exalt himself. Hey, let me tell you, I can help. No, he exalts God. Interpretations belong to God. Verse 9, so the chief cupbearer told the dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. So I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here, I've done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. Now, God reveals to Joseph that the dream that the cupbearer has had is good news for the cupbearer. It's good news. You're going to be restored. You're going to be set free from this prison. Listen, when you get set free and you're back in the good graces of, the, of Pharaoh, when you're forgiven by Pharaoh. Remember me. Don't forget about me. And, and listen, show me kindness as I've shown you kindness and tell Pharaoh to set me free from this dungeon, literally this pit. You see, Pharaoh or Joseph keeps falling in pits. Remember he was in a pit. His brothers threw him in a pit and God got him out of the pit and sent him to Egypt. And now he's in another pit. But he's continuing to trust God. Listen, you feel like you keep falling in pits. It's just pit after pit after pit after pit. Jesus, Jesus enables us to be free even in the pit. See, Joseph Joseph's in a pit. It's hard. But he's still exalting God. He's still serving others. Listen, if you're in adversity right now, look for opportunities. Your hurt can become a superpower. Your pain can become a superpower. Your pit can become a place of ministry, just as it was for Joseph. Here's why that's important. Okay, go back. Left hand, adversity. You say, oh, I just wish my adversity could be changed to prosperity. Are you any better off? I just wish that I could be free from this adversity so I could experience prosperity again. You're not any better off. 
You need Jesus. And Jesus can meet you as well in adversity as he can in prosperity. Don't wish just to exchange one for the other. Wish that in the midst of either, you could meet Jesus. Jesus can enable us. Well, verse 16, the baker. Well, when the baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I, I, also, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head, and in the top basket there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh off you. <laughs> Some minister. Well, he has bad news for the baker. The interpretation belongs to God. Joseph tells the truth to the baker. In three days, you're going to face the penalty for the sin you've committed against the king. In three days, your head will be lifted off of you and you will be impaled. You will be hung on a tree. In three days, the consequence do you for sin will come. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer, that is, he forgave him, and the head of the chief breaker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But, the hanged, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Two guilty men. A cupbearer and a baker. Two guilty men and one innocent man. Two guilty men. One is forgiven and the other is killed. Facing the penalty due him for his sin. And one, the innocent man, is forgotten and continues in jail for a sin he did not commit. Does it sound familiar? How does the Bible enable us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity? It enables us by lifting up the glory of Jesus on every page. And so it is in Genesis 40 that we have the glory of Jesus on display. Jesus is the one innocent man. Jesus is the one righteous man without sin. 
Jesus, out of his great love for us, was willing to go to the cross. And on the cross, the one innocent man faced a penalty he didn't deserve. He was hung on a tree, a sign of condemnation, a sign of judgment. Even though he had no sin, he died in our place as our substitute. Why? Because the bad news of the gospel is that we had all sinned. Just as the cupbearer and the baker had sinned against Pharaoh, we had sinned against a holy God. And God's righteous, holy response against our sin is one of anger. It's one of fury. It's one of wrath. That's what we deserve. We've all come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love. He couldn't wink at sin. He couldn't excuse sin. He couldn't forgive sin without a payment being made. He could not forgive sin unless Jesus went to the cross in our place. And so Jesus willingly, gladly goes to the cross for you and for me. God demonstrates his love. The cross doesn't turn God into a loving God. God is a loving God. And in order to not punish us for our sin, he punishes Jesus in our place. This is the gospel. It's the gospel according to Genesis 40. It's the gospel according to Romans. It's the gospel according to Psalms. It's the gospel according to Revelation. It's the gospel from beginning to end that Jesus is salvation. And in him, we are enabled to overcome adversity. We're enabled to overcome even prosperity. Our part is to receive him. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, it doesn't have to be the baker for you. It doesn't have to be you paying the penalty for your sin for eternity. It can be the cupbearer for you. It can be forgiveness. It can be restoration. It can be being brought back into God's forever family. How? By putting our trust in Jesus. Won't you? And if you have, oh, would you, would you see in the midst of prosperity, the gospel lift the glory of Jesus before your eyes? Would you see in the midst of adversity, the Holy Spirit lift the glory of Jesus before your eyes? That's why we come. That's why we join together. That's why we run to small group, because we need Jesus. I don't read my Bible every morning because I'm good. I read my Bible because I'm bad. And just like the cupbearer, I forget about Jesus. Just like the cupbearer forgot about Joseph, I forget about Jesus. I have gospel amnesia every day I forget. 
Every day I, I boot up the operating system that if I try really hard and I work really good, everything's going to go well for me. And then I bump into reality. The Wall Street Journal, yesterday they came out with a story. This is serious journalism right here. Are you ready? Investigative journalism from one of the best papers in the country. Here's what they found out. Couples during COVID are fighting about money. I mean, this is high-powered journalism. I can't believe it. Husbands and wives are arguing about money during COVID. And they're calling their financial planners and they're saying, help us. <laughs> I have a better idea. Call Jesus. Let Jesus enable you. Why do we fight about money? We fight about money because we're afraid that our prosperity is going to turn into adversity. We fight about money because, because we want to maintain the standard of living that we've always maintained, even though we're going through a global pandemic. We're, we fight about money because we're afraid that our comfort is going to be taken away. And so we fight because we're afraid prosperity will turn to adversity. Sometimes we fight not because of the comfort, but because of control. Oh, well, we, listen, honey, if you would just budget and plan and save and, and keep track, then, then we would be able to change adversity into prosperity. But what if instead of worshiping the idol of comfort or control, instead we worship Jesus? And what if we started every financial committee meeting in our home not by determining how can we turn our adversity into prosperity. What if instead we said, Jesus, help us remember you. That you who were rich became poor so that we through your poverty might become rich. Not in material things, but in eternal things. What if that truth so gripped our heart? that our financial committee meetings in our homes would be about Jesus and then about our savings and our emergency fund and all those other things that are so important. But we pursue them in Jesus' name. We, in, we pursue them for Jesus' sake. And when we forget about Jesus, then we bow down at the idol of comfort. We bow down at the idol of control and we destroy the people around us. When we forget about Jesus, we're prone to exalt ourselves. When we forget about Jesus, we're, we're prone to lord over others. Oh, don't forget about Jesus. Jesus enables us to overcome prosperity and adversity. So what should we do this week? This week, what I want for you is to abide. I want you to abide. John 15, 5. I'm just going to turn around and read it. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do 
nothing. Oh, dear people, would you abide? Would you abide? For 24 years, I've been married. The same vows that Madeline and Hunter took on September 12th were the same vows that Sue Ellen and I took 24 years ago. In plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, we've experienced all of those. But one thing has been stable through all of it. In all the prosperity and all the adversity, Jesus has been with us. I have walked with Jesus not because I'm good, not because I'm superior, but because Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. I have walked with Jesus and I have disappointed him time after time after time after time, but he has never once dis disappointed me. Oh, would you let him in? Would you bring this truth of the gospel found on every page of scripture into the center of your life? Love Jesus. Love one another. One thing has been consistent in my life in walking with Jesus. It's been the church. The church and biblical community has been with us every Sunday. For 24 years, we've had people in our home on a Sunday to open scripture and talk about Jesus. Oh, we've missed weeks. But Jesus has been in our midst in biblical community. Walk with him. Love the lost. Joseph loved lost people. A cupbearer and a baker who didn't know God. Joseph ministered to them, loved them, was willing to tell the truth to them. And though he was forgotten, for two years he kept looking to God in faith. Come back next week and we'll see how God delivers him from his prison. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. Help us. Help us to abide in you. Help us to see the gospel on every page of Scripture. Help us to see the glory of Jesus. Help us to be encouraged. Lord, help us to not shrink under adversity and deny you. Help us to not shrink under prosperity and forget you. Lord, meet us. Holy Spirit, take the word and lift it up before our eyes, that we might see Jesus. For this I pray, through Christ. Amen.